Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Backmarkers F1 show and it feels like as the races are going on our job is getting harder and harder and harder because Well, at least Monaco is coming up. Just a <laughs> jungle of overtaking in Monaco, right? Oh. Plenty to talk about. Yeah, I'm, Spain I'm... was just uh wow, flyer. What a race. Not... Incredible. One of the best races of the mem recent memory, I think. In the next 1,000 Grand Prix, the, we have a, when we have a celebration for F1 2000, we're going to be remembering the Spanish Grand Prix. When you're sitting down with your kids telling them about the best F1 memories, yeah, you'll be talking 20, about I'm going to be talking about the complete domination of Mercedes all year. With tears. Uh, <laughs> yeah, crying. Well, I mean, to be fair to them... Um, I just want to give them a real special shout out because this what they did after the race was unbelievable. Um, I, I, I forget his name. I believe it was Harry. Uh, he was just a he's a sick boy that uh, yes, is terminally yeah, ill uh, in St. Louis Hamilton. A good luck message before the race. Um, and all, clearly it worked uh, because Lewis won the race, obviously. But after they sent, I, I believe his name was Harry. Forgive me if I'm wrong. I think you're right. Yeah, I think uh, Harry, Harry Shaw. I think. Okay. Uh, they sent him not only the Spanish Grand Prix winning trophy that Lewis Hamilton won, but his actual car, which is unbelievable, like so cool. And just a huge shout out to Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton because as much as we rag on them for uh, being so good, pretty much, um, that's just the ultimate gesture. Pure class. And uh, yeah, pure class by both of them. So huge shout out to them. And uh, well done. You really showed why we love sports so much. But, yeah, I mean, that car was literally, like, in their front yard. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, very well done from, from Mercedes. I'm not sure. I don't think I don't think Lewis got to meet the kid. Um, but um, still. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, to get his medal in his car is still a pretty big deal. Yeah. I mean, I mean for obviously, like, he, he's in an awful scenario, and we, we wish him the best and the, the best health he could have. Yeah. Um, it's just that's a moment that that family will cherish forever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good on whoever coordinated that. Yeah, you know, I'm sure probably Lewis had I'm something sure Lewis to do did, with that yeah. as well. Um, he's very active on the the social media, so he probably w would have been uh, one of those. But that was cool to see. And like I said, it was kind of one of the uh, bright spots of of the weekend um, because obviously there wasn't many. And you know, before we break down what was a really lackluster race, we can get on with some really positive news. Very yeah, coming out of Holland, which is. For all of the Dutch fans out there, most of ours, as you can see, I, I've permanently gotten rid of my Ferrari I gear. I should have my <laughs> Robin Van Persie jersey. <laughs> you should have. Yeah, you just retired, too. That's oh, true. Yeah, that's disappointing, but yeah. you know, next time. <laughs> if you've been living under a rock, the Dutch Grand Prix is back for 2020. Return to Zandvoort. Thank goodness. That's the, that's the race everyone wanted. Yeah, and just shows you the power of Mr. Max Verstappen. Yeah, that's true. Um, that is going to be like just an orange sea, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I can't wait for I mean, that race. Actually. You see any uh, Dutch fans for a FIFA World Cup, yeah. it is, like you said, a sea of orange. I mean, I was really excited about the Vietnamese Grand Prix, but <laughs> wow, I cannot wait for there, uh, the, the Dutch Grand Prix. There would probably be a max grandstand in Vietnam, too. <laughs> there might be. <laughs> you can imagine. You know, we see the scenes in Austria, yeah. here in Spain even, uh, Belgium. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we get to uh, when we get to Zandvoort in, uh, next year. We were discussing. If there's one Grand Prix that we all four Grand Prix we all want to go to. It's it's that one. Yeah, yeah. We would love to go to that Grand Prix. How amazing is that atmosphere going to be? Oh, just insane. Yeah. Well, most of our fans uh, our that Dutch. listen to this podcast, of course, according to YouTube analytics, are uh, a big chunk. Of, I think the highest percentage of our listeners are from the Netherlands. Yeah. So maybe we do have to book something out there. Yeah, we gotta we gotta hit up the track organizers like uh, like Matt from WTF One and get invited to yeah. <laughs> to a Grand Prix <laughs> Jungle Corner. That's what it's called. Yeah, first corner Jungle. Yeah, wow. the track. Oh, no, sorry, no, that's not. It's the Tarzan Tarzan Corner. Tarzan yeah. Corner. Yeah, it's a U shaped, and F One actually did a uh, virtual animation like they do for uh, most of the races, yeah. and it kind of just shows you. Obviously, this is an old track. They haven't raced here since I think around 1985. Very narrow, and they are gonna have to modify it before next season. Yeah. But uh, you can kind of see some of the elements. I mean, it's very narrow. Overtaking going to be difficult with the current layout. So I think they're going to be changing some things there. But super excited for this because it's it's not a street circuit. It's a natural circuit yeah, yeah. And, and a former Formula One circuit. Obviously, we know the power of Max Verstappen and what he can bring to F1 in Holland. 
you know, they've had a history of some pretty solid drivers in the past. Yeah. But, you know, somebody like Vandergaard, for example, wasn't going to pull the numbers that Max Verstappen can. Although so. he is a hilarious in social media. He's very <laughs> funny. And, and he's made a great career for himself outside of yeah, Formula yeah, One as well. Right. So it's really exciting for the, for the Dutch fans. On the other hand, we could be losing this track, the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia, which, you know, when you look at it, it's like, thank God we're getting rid of it because it's not been exciting pretty much at all in this new era. But on the other hand, if you're if you're Spanish and you love your Formula One, it, it's pretty sad to see it go. It well, would going? they move testing as well then oh, wait, to it is other going? track? Not not confirmed. They oh, okay. are still negotiating. But I said let's go back to Valencia or Jerez. Yeah, I, I think maybe uh, I think Jerez would probably be or Jerez. Jerez. Get yeah, my uh, p- p- Spanish pronunciations correct. I was there. It, <laughs> yeah. it was her. It's Jerez. Yeah, okay, it is. <laughs> um, I, I think that they are trying to negotiate something, so Spain might keep a race. It just might not be at that track. Right. Which, yeah, it's a good question whether testing would move. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think so because that is a great testing track. Yeah, that's, like it's well, a not perfect sure. testing track, but not the greatest race track. No, no. Unless you're like tra- like riding bikes. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's motor GP. Last year track. was pretty good, right? It was just no, no. <laughs> We had the Grosjean maybe, crash. Maybe if I don't remember, obviously it wasn't that great. Yeah, like Tyler said, I think just the Grosjean crash, which which I remember it mostly for. Yeah. Other than that, nothing really. And, I mean, let's brings us to uh, to our race recap. Um, where should we start, really? Well, Can we start with our drivers of the day? Yeah, because you were talking about this. You were saying that uh, your driver of the day might shock us, and I said that we might be thinking along the same line. So who did you have? Shaker. I want to hear Shakers first. You guys already know mine. That's not exciting. Which one was yours again? I mean, it's pretty he's obvious. He's isn't wearing it? the shirt. <laughs> oh, Max. Okay, that's a fair driver of the yeah. day. That's a good pick. Uh, who was yours? Mine. Yeah, mine was Danny Kvyat. Oh, mine was Danny Kvyat too. <laughs> right, let's go. I told you. I I knew that we were gonna have the same one. I I think the fans voted Lewis Hamilton online. It was which a, it wasn't that big of a margin. But. No, I mean he was driver of the day on lap one. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But I thought Danny Kvyat put on an overtaking masterclass on a track that is very difficult to overtake. What a move on the outside of Kimi Turn Raikkonen. four. Beautiful. Yeah. And he had one overtake on... Overtake uh, of the year so far. Hulkenberg as well. He did have one on Hulkenberg. You're right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's up there probably for overtake of the year. It's got to be. There's not many. <laughs> to hold it on the outside <laughs> like that. Well done by Danny Kvyat. Yeah. Well, at first, uh, David Croft was like, oh, Alex Albon, like beautiful yeah, move. They, and I'm like, damn, that Alex Albon's really coming on. And I was like, oh, no, it's the torpedo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. So Some good. Rushing gas in that guy. A beautiful move. Beautiful move. And uh, one of the only kind of highlights on the race that, that stood out for me. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, Toro Rosso were looking really good at the beginning of the weekend and kind of fell a little bit back. But uh, They recovered in the race, though. Yeah, they still got Alba a point. Alba had, had a good race as well. Yeah, but uh, that that definitely, I, w- I would say, was my, my driver of the day. And then, But I, I do agree with you, Shaker, as well. I think Verstappen yeah. was was also my, my driver of the day. He did have a great race. He managed mm-hmm. his tires very well. Of course, he did a two-stop, and we've been begging for two stops yeah. this year. So I'm so glad we got to see somewhat of a two-stop. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. The safety car helped that for Lewis. Yeah, I mean, up until that point, you know, on lap one, Valtteri had some clutch issues. Um, yeah, he said it was biting and releasing and biting again. I mean, it didn't seem like it was crazy big, a crazy big of an issue because we do see the second row of that grid get a good toe down to the first corner, and it happened again with Vettel. Um, but Hamilton just had a perfect start, really, and he had the inside for the corner. And to be honest with you, Valtteri didn't have that poor of a start either no, because didn't. they That's were fairly mean. even. Yeah. yeah. But uh And Hamilton started twenty centimeters over the yellow line. Yeah, that was a little bit <laughs> should have got a penalty cheeky. for <laughs> Yeah. I, I they didn't mention what the, that. Yeah, I don't know what the threshold is for that. I think they're pretty lenient because it's so hard to see the line yeah. from the car anyway. Um I just do it on purpose every race then. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah, they do move it a little bit close. Yeah. That's for sure. But also I was listening to the team radio of Hamilton on his way to the grid in the formation lap. Right. And they had some uh, brake migration changes that they made kind of last second. And I think they made some changes with the clutch as well. So they were sort of saying that that was kind of the reason why he had a better start than Valtteri. Oh, Valtteri so, would be happy about that. No, and you, he was very pissed off. You could tell post-race and he wanted to find out what the issues were right away. So yeah. that's kind of the championship driver in him starting to come out a little bit now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We're seeing things like that. 
Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, and, and really, the race was decided in turn one. And, and much of that story has been 2019 Formula One season so far. You can't blame Vettel, in my opinion, for sending it on turn one. That was his only option. No, he had to. Um, mm. I mean, it, it sucked that he locked up so much. Yeah. Because he was basically Fred Flintstone out there with <laughs> I mean, that's wheels. going to be Vettel's story of the year, locking up multiple times. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's unfortunate, but it's what happened like every second race so far. Yeah. But like you said, Chris, he had to make that move. He had to push on yeah. the, along the outside. And if he didn't lock up, he actually probably would have picked P2. Probably. It's kind of actually hurt Valtteri as well because he had to sort of be wary of Vettel on his left side yeah. and Hamilton was able to squeeze through. But yeah, maybe if it would have been 50 meters longer that straight, he probably could have been able to overtake at least one Mercedes. But at, at this point, even if he would have gotten by both of them... They, they would have been by him in lap five. Yeah, yeah for sure. It, it just sort of fell apart after that. And then the the running gag of Ferrari and their strategy team, which is... When you have when you, obviously their car is struggling very much, so in terms of strategy, it's hard for them to get it right. Well, you but, have to be aggressive. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, they were just so lazy or, or just so inconsistent with pulling the trigger and when they had to do team orders. And Vettel was asking for the team orders because of that flat spot, and he said, you know, let Charles go by, pit me as soon as you can. But it seemed like Ferrari once again was just confused as to when to make the decision. I think a lot of that rely like goes on Matteo Bonotti's shoulders, and that they should have maybe have kept. Um, what's his face? Gray hair. Maurizio. Maurizio. Yeah. I would disagree with that. I think that he's a well. Do you actually know that he's the team principal and technical director? Yes, I did know. Really, that. I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that. I thought because he he was, I guess, the technical director last year. Yeah. And when they promoted him, they just didn't find a replacement. No, because he's so good at technical directing. Right. Huh. But, I mean, to do – I mean, Mercedes has a he separate tries. guy for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I was quite surprised that that was the case. And I'm like, well, yeah, no shit that they're messing everything up when this guy's got, you know, 80 different things that he's got to worry about. Yeah. So Yeah, maybe that's a, a role they have to fill. But I don't know who they fill it with. I don't know that side of technical F1. And I don't think the answer either is to just fire him because – No, no, I don't think so. But I just – I don't know if it's – he, like is it because he's just not used to having to to make these decisions that that's that's why the strategy is all fucked up. Yeah, they they Pardon need my language. I don't. That's the first no, time I think I've swore in the first, in the year and a half. Uh, we... It shows how <laughs> angry we are <laughs> after these races. Um, but no, I I would agree. It there there has to be more more of a consistent and clear plan because you hear the frustration in the drivers' team radios, not just this race, but you know China for example. They just want to know what's going on. Even Sebastian was asking, are we on different strategies? Yeah. Because they pitted Leclerc on the on the harder tire. Which wasn't a bad idea at the time. I was I was okay with the call, and I, I think I was still okay with the call after the race. With no safety car, it might have worked. Yeah. I don't mind the call. They had to Someone try had something to try different. It. Someone had to do it. I guess, yeah. They didn't have any new uh, soft tires, so. Um, should we talk about the safety car then? Yes. Norris yes. and Stroll. I was like, what What caused it again? <laughs> yeah. Norris yeah. and Stroll. Um, obviously, Norris had a great run into turn one, went on the outside of Stroll, which led into the inside in turn two, couldn't get the move done, and Stroll cut him off, slash Norris stuck his nose where he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Racing incident in the end. Um, that end of the day of both drivers, unfortunately. Like, kind of something that wasn't needed Yeah. for both of them. Um. I, I think Norris is to blame in that one the, f- more prominently than Stroll. And that's just because he, he should have backed out going to turn two, realizing there, one, was no room, and two, the, the move wasn't going to get done if he stuck it on the right. inside anyways, um, just to preserve his race. Um, but I guess you know he just left it in there, and he saw what happened. He punted Stroll into the gravel trap and wrecked the front end of his car. That's how I saw it too. Yeah. I think Stroll had the racing line yeah. and Norris was a little bit too optimistic to try and overtake in that scenario. Um, and when you noticed it in the slow motion as well, Stroll was a good half a car length or half a meter or so ahead of uh, Lando Norris into that corner. So yeah, I would put the blame there on Lando Norris and you're right. It was just an unnecessary overtake at that yeah. point. 
and you know that's what that's a problem with the track like Barcelona is you got to bide your time and, and overtake at least on the DRS zones because it's kind of really one of the only areas. If you're Danny Kvyat, you've got some more options there. Yeah. Danny Kvyat <laughs> overtakes where he wants. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter for him. But yeah, it's frustrating weekend for Lance Stroll and and Racing Point. He had the FP1 crash. Yeah. Racing Point's upgrades just didn't work, and, and they were way way off the pace and, and far behind in the race as well. So uh, they weren't. I, I expected them to be a lot higher with these upgrades, and it just didn't really happen. No, it didn't. And my pick of Mercedes, uh, not Mercedes, of McLaren being six and seven didn't pan out either. Didn't really stroll that strong of a car. Yeah. It was the Haas team that, which we didn't expect to do so well, did mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. Double points finish. Double points finish. And obviously a little bit of drama, but that was, it wasn't really that much drama because uh, if you watch the post race, Kevin Mangson was like, no, I mean, Grosjean both didn't want that. Like, it was just an unfortunate, like, we, we just didn't mean to do it. Like, it was an accident. And, and even Gunther Steiner on the uh, team radio afterwards, which shows that he he's a very good leader. He he got on the radio and he said to Mag- Magnuson, he's like, Kevin, calm down, come 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 and see me after the race. Yeah. He really, he's like, I'm the first one you see after the race. What she wasn't, right? It was Jensen Button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you might have seen him before then. No, he said he didn't. Oh, he didn't. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, and then yeah, he told Grosjean as well, like you know, calm down, don't worry, I'll I'll work it out. Yeah, and but even like when Mag like when he said that to Magnuson, Magnuson said. I responded to him and said, honestly, we didn't mean to. Like, it was a complete accident. Like, uh, like there's nothing there. Like, I'm sure he didn't yeah. want it either. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that's not what we need to be doing. And we both know that. Yeah. So, that, uh, like, there's nothing there. It's just one of those racing incidents where Grosjean got a little loose, spun up, uh, not spun up, but kind of collided into Magnuson and off they went. Anyways, Magnuson had a great run going forward after that, though. It almost got an overtake done on Pierre Gasly, I believe. Yeah, it was close. Uh, but just couldn't stick it out, which sucks because uh, they had a great race, Haas. So kudos to them because it's been a while. They've been looking for that. I don't know if, like, Grosjean went on Google Maps and took, a, like, an option to find a faster route, but he was really <laughs> getting comfortable with that that escape road. He route was, after. and it, like, <laughs> he didn't really lose that much time going down. No. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I just do this every lap. <laughs> yeah, like, after the third time, I think it was, he's like, man, I'm not even going to try and get on the track anymore. I'm no, just going to take this go. road. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like the Netflix series that that's a whole episode on its own right there. Just like Steiner with on the phone with Gene Haas, like we looked like a bunch of fucking wankers out there today. <laughs> that's all I was picturing because it was the same thing that that they did in uh, in Australia like that. So, um, but all in all, a, a good step forward for Haas considering where their weekends were. Yeah, in the last two three weeks. So uh, they didn't struggle as much in tires, I felt. So no, maybe they, they fixed it with their upgrades as well on the floor. Maybe they should give that to Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> seriously. They weren't even running the new engine. Oh, they didn't in the no, end? No, and they were pretty far up, far up in the speed traps too. So, huh. yeah. But them. yeah, at this point for Ferrari, I mean, at this track, engine power, it's not, not the biggest concern. Yeah, and neither is Monaco. Right. Coming up next. Right. And I wanted to actually touch on that a little bit about the the car upgrades that were brought on, and and we've been trying to figure out last last couple of races what's the issue exactly with Ferrari, and and I was telling you this just before we went on the show that in preseason testing there was an an unknown secret F1 aerodynamicist mm. um, who works for one of the teams. Obviously, he stays anonymous because he doesn't want to lose his job. Don't blame him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'd be fired if people found out who he was. But uh, he he did a breakdown of you know, season preview in terms of what the design area the cars went to, which teams, and what are the advantages, disadvantages. And that article kind of circulated around after this weekend because it's pretty spot on to what is happening right now. And I, I got the image here of he, he did a sort of graphic breakdown of the airflow on the cars of Mercedes and Ferrari. So we'll put that up so everybody at home can also see. So he, he broke it down in terms of Mercedes. They went for more of an outwash type uh, concept for their front wing and, and the way the air flows. And obviously that's the biggest thing that the, the aero engineers were trying to do in the last couple of years was to try and get that air thrown out to the side and away from the car, which it makes it difficult this year because of the inlets on the little wing that they got rid of, the smaller barge boards, right. uh, smaller brake ducts and things like that. So it's been harder for this season. And when you look at the, the picture... Ferrari went with more of sort of an inward, so the inward wash. And you can see kind of the graphic directing the airflow as well. 
And he says that the advantage to what Ferrari has done is that the car is more responsive and it's a bit easier to drive. And when you look at what the commentators have been saying, Brundle, trackside, he always says, well, that Ferrari looks, you know, very well put together. Yeah. It's it's very comfortable, while the Mercedes looks very bouncy, you know, it looks very, you know, at times loose or uncomfortable. And that's one of the advantages. But then he also said that the disadvantage is that as the development keeps going in the season and teams keep trying to add more downforce and more downforce, the problem with Ferrari is that if they try to add more rear downforce, it throws the balance at the front off, and then it results in a lot of understeer, which is what we're seeing from the Ferrari. Yeah. What Vettel said after qualifying as well, and, and one of the reasons why they're struggling so much with slow-speed corners and the mid-to-slow-speed corners. So it really seems like Ferrari went down a wrong development path with their front wing and just their whole aero package, whereas Mercedes seems to, nailed, seems to have nailed it. And this unknown F1 aero uh, guy really hit the nail on the head with his predictions. Yeah, it's very interesting because you have to wonder now, where does this lead Ferrari? Do they switch toward a Mercedes front wing? But would, that would it work for their car, though? And, and that's correct. what it comes down to, right? And, and like, that's yeah. the thing. Their car is built completely different than what Mercedes does, so yeah. it might screw it up or make it better. So they're just going to have to do a whole bunch of tests on different front wings now. So, yeah, Shaker, I, I don't know if – I don't know if it'll fit on the car. Like that's that's the big question that Ferrari has to figure out, and they're gonna have to be doing a whole bunch of testing this it's, season to try and fix their issue. They're definitely not getting a summer break. Yeah. No, they, no, they are not. <laughs> no breaks whatsoever. No, they're, they're gonna be like Amazon employees just running around the building, hundred hours a week. Yeah, I and the other question is too is how fast can you just redevelop your aerodynamic package? Well, you can do it fast but is it reliable right and and will it and work if you have a part fail then it throws the whole balance of the car off so then you're really screwed well they are doing more testing this week right yeah they're Correct. in barcelona right now doing testing and then there's it's force india and mercedes or is the like every team doing one i think every, every team, team yeah. every team yeah okay. force india was doing pirelli testing though same with ferrari uh, prototype tires yeah um, which by the way Bottas was 1.4 seconds quicker than anybody so <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what what else, right? Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Jesus. Yeah. The kid's not kid, but that guy is on a roll. He is. He's got to do it in if, the races too. If he doesn't win this year, though, when is he gonna win? Like, this is his, this is his opportunity. This like year. he this, better win. Yeah, seriously. Like I'm, at this point, I, I'm okay with the Mercedes domination as long as it's not Lewis Hamilton again. Correct. <laughs> Sorry, Lewis. I don't yeah. know about that. I don't really want a Mercedes dollar. I don't either, hit. man, but I'm okay with Valtteri winning. Well, uh, that's another thing I wanted to get into is, is you know, the state of the sport right now. Not healthy. Not healthy at all and, and very poor. And we we look like a bunch of morons. Because I didn't want to watch the Spanish Grand Prix, but I did. No, but, but to be honest with you, it's like after the race, last season when we first started the podcast, I mean, you had so much excitement to break down the race and talk to each other and talk to the fans about the race. And now that excitement has just dropped down so dramatically because there's not much to discuss. And no. we're obviously still going to keep doing the podcast, and everybody we hope is tuning into our podcast to at least find some sort of entertainment in these races. And we, we definitely try and, and bring it to you. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the product is it just sucks at this point. Yeah, no, it does. It's unfortunate because... It was on such a, like an upward trend. Sorry, I just looked at the driver's standings again. No, <laughs> yeah, don't don't depress yourself. Keeps me up at night. Um, we've seen such like a, a positive steps the past few years, and then it just seems this year it's just like we went we're all the way back to 2014. Yeah, and I I got the stats here looking what at the, hell? the most dominant F1 season. This so, is the one. So far, correct, but when we look at just the recent uh, memory, so 2016, which you just mentioned, uh, Mercedes won... 14. Well, I'll go in order, because oh. they've had a couple of these years, Yeah, they unfortunately. Have, right. uh, so 2016, they won 19 of 21 races. And this is Mercedes? Correct, Mercedes. Yeah, yeah Red Bull. They've had, they had a streak of winning 10 races in a row between, obviously, Hamilton and Rosberg. Stupid. Moving on, we had 2015. They won 16 of 19 races. A, a really poor year for Mercedes, I must say. They only had 19 races that year, right? Yeah. Uh, so they won seven in a races at row at one point, and they finished off the year with six race wins in a row. 
And 2014, the debut of the Turbo Hybrid era. Mercedes won the opening six races of the year. And they won the last seven races of the year for a grand total of 16 out of 19 race victories. Now It's going to be one of those years. It is definitely going to be one of those years. And this is not new to Formula One as much as it disappoints us all because it's kind of been the story of the history of the sport through 1,000 races. When I look at some of the other years, in 2013, Red Bull won 13 out of 19, which compared to Mercedes is, is nothing. Um, in 2002, Ferrari won 15 out of 17, and, and you mentioned this a couple podcasts ago. Schumacher was on the podium in every race. Every single race. And the most dominant F1 season ever, McLaren won 15 out of 16 races in 1988 um, and honestly would have won all of them had Senna not crashed into a back marker. So no one's done the invincible season. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. <laughs> what are the odds down below? <laughs> so I was uh, reading this earlier. And w- when was the last time McLaren was with Honda? It didn't go very well, eh? Yeah, it was like, what, two years ago now? McLaren? Separated? Yeah. yeah. yeah so this 1988 domination you were talking about was done with the Honda engine. Correct. It was, you're right. Yeah. So. Yeah, the new generation fans <laughs> are like, what? What? <laughs> Honda and McLaren Honda, winning? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they were very dominant together Good for old a while. Days. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've been a fan of the sport for quite a long time, it's not, it's not new, but I, I don't know. Like, for it, there just seems like this is just a new level of it. Yeah, of, it is new of level. domination because it's been like this for five, six years now. Six years. Like, oh, okay. Enough's enough. Yeah, and, and I know Ferrari had their like five, six years of glory too, and Red Bull had four years of glory, whatever it was. But I don't know. It just kind of seemed different then, did it not? Well, when you look at the Red Bull era, they were still competitive seasons. Twenty ten championship came down to the last race yeah. between four drivers. Twenty twelve, similar situation. I think between two or three drivers. Um, you know, 2011, 2013 was more dominant, but at least you had Pastor Maldonado winning races and Mark Weber and Fernando and Pastor Kimmy even as well with Lotus, right? I mean, you yeah. had Lotus. Lotus. Yeah, was Lotus was up there. Right. So, but the Mercedes domination, I, I don't know the exact stats, but they've won like either 70 or 80% of the races in this turbo era or yeah. turbo hybrid era, excuse me. So the domination is just to another level. And like I said, if the championship was close and they won five in a row, you just tip your cap to them. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't blame Mercedes for being that good. You know, you're not going to come in and tell them to stop. I, I think this really relies on Formula One management and the FIA. Yeah. And they got to come in and, and just change the whole dynamic because they're going to lose fans. They're going to lose races because it's just not going to be financially viable anymore. Yeah. And the people online that are saying, oh, well, you know, just go watch another series or, well, you know, because you see that. It's like... As p- as fans and as people who consume the product, you have every right to voice your complaints when but it's not. But it good. is the premier motorsport, right? We look Correct. at F one as the top tier, and fans want to follow the top tier. But you have to make the top tier exciting. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like it'd be like how soccer is in Real Madrid or Barcelona, living every winning every year. Yeah. Except yeah, for until this year. Atletico came in. Well, no, until Tottenham came in. What's <laughs> up, boys? It's not Spanish football. <laughs> No, I was talking European oh, football. Okay. Did I say okay. Spanish football? Yes, yeah. you did. Well, if I, I meant <laughs> European. I'll make a basketball analogy. It's like the Golden State Warriors yeah. winning again this year, but our new prime minister, Kawhi Leonard, will have something different to say about <laughs> that. Yeah, Portland's going to win. I wouldn't mind, Portland actually. Trailblazers are going to win. I'm going. State. We the North. <laughs> Anybody but Golden State. Yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. But people in Denmark, Denmark, some random guy in Denmark watching this is like, <laughs> who's Kawhi? Uh, Europeans <laughs> know their basketball. European basketball yeah, is very strong. Yeah, it's become quite popular They there. do, actually. You're right. Yeah. We got Lithuania. Luka Doncic, my man Jonas Valanciunas. Hey, Luka Doncic got, um, didn't he get, like, beat no. up outside of a That's bar. Chris Tapp's Porzingis. Oh, Porzingis. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. They are teammates now, so there you go. Um, but it's the same thing in, in everything, and you're completely right. And it's funny looking at the parallels. The IndyCar race on Saturday, I watched only the first 10, 15 laps or so at Indianapolis. Incredibly exciting. And lead changes. I yeah. Can, Pagano won the race. He started way down in the field. IndyCar has it has the formula so right. Correct. And it's because everyone has to have the same chassis. Yeah. And there's only huh. two engine manufacturers. Yeah. And the aero is a lot more simplified. And, you know, Alex Rossi was po- poking fun at uh, at F1. He's like... Oh, top five separated by 45 seconds. How exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And their whole field is separated by 45, like less than 45 45 seconds. seconds. It's like 20 seconds. 
So when it's you unbelievable racing, IndyCar. It's right? the best. It is for the bang for your buck, the most exciting racing in motorsport. Hmm. At a premier level. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think I love watching IndyCar, but yeah. the problem is, is that it's not that popular. But if you got the the IndyCar mentality into Formula One, you'd have a winning product. Correct. Yeah, I completely agree. And when you look at IndyCar back when it was, you know, they had the sort of mix. They had Champ Car and Kart back in those early 90s and early 2000s. Man, they did races in Australia and Japan. Yeah. It was popular around the world. And that racing was very good then, too. And you had the interesting dynamic of going to ovals, which obviously Formula One doesn't do. Which I wouldn't want them to do. No, no, no not at ovals all. Ovals are way too dangerous. I mean, even IndyCar, we really wouldn't want them to do it. I don't think any car should be doing ovals. Yeah, but. exactly. But then again, we'll watch a shit out of the Indy 500 in yeah, a couple yeah, we weeks. Will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> so it's the big, biggest race weekend in, in on the calendar. You got the Monaco Grand Prix in the morning, Indy 500 in the afternoon. Yep. And for you NASCAR fans, the Coca-Cola 600 at night. So for us F1 fans, you take a nap in the morning and then you watch the Indy 500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Monaco is always exciting. Usually pulls up some sort of surprise. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I just think the 2021 regulations are coming up. And I was reading this morning a very great article by Martin Brundle that... They're too far away. Bring them next year. <laughs> no. Well, look at the, the 2019 regulations. Why did you have to change 2018? They're like, oh, the front wings are so complicated. Oh, the cars can't follow. Is this any better? Yeah. It's kind of looking like a bad decision now. You yeah. just ruined it. Like, first six races, remember last year, three teams won two races each. Yeah. In the first yeah. six races. Now, what do we have now? Six out of six for Mercedes, most likely. Yeah. So why the need to change everything? And even Brundle in his article, he wrote, like all these expert engineers and all these people, they can't figure out why like a three-degree track temperature change affects pace and performance so much. It's like, well, how the hell are you going to expect us to understand it? Yeah, yeah. It's too confusing. The, the DRS and the ERS, I mean, we understand it a little bit more. But if you're a new fan coming into this, it's like IndyCar simplifies it. It's push to pass. There's yeah. like 200 seconds you got. yeah. And that's it. It's like Kurs. Yeah, essentially. Kurs was easy to follow. <laughs> Push a button, and you have this amount to use during a lap. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yep. And it, 10 seconds to use a lap, I think, in, in Kurs. Yeah, I think right? it was around there, right? Yeah. So easy. We were like, Brundle this past weekend was trying to, like, was explaining DRS <laughs> yeah. on the broadcast for, obviously, for new viewers. Um, <laughs> and he's, and he, it was fun the way he was trying to describe it. He's like, yeah, there's this little flap on the back of the wing that opens up, and you have to be within one second of the driver at the two DRS detection zones. Yeah, we'll point that out to you. But then you have to wait until you're in the DRS area to use the DRS. <laughs> yep. Yep, you got to be in the detection zone within one second, and then the flap opens. But then you got turbulent air. Yeah. Which is just a whole other story. Like, how, you know, you're not going to hold on to any fans that way. So... And he's not optimistic about the regulations coming in 2021. And Brundle was saying he was speaking to people behind the scenes in Barcelona at the race weekend, and they were not optimistic about any changes for the 2021 regulations really? in terms of making it more even, making racing more exciting. And I, honestly, I, I would agree with him. I think it's going to be more gonna status quo. What's going to make fans quo. come back? What's even the point of watching if they're not excited about it? If they're not looking forward to it either? Good Maybe. question. Yeah, it is a good question. <laughs> Maybe the solution is... Sup IndyCar. Everyone used the same chassis. Same aero regs. Yep. Your only thing you're allowed to change is your setup. Um the amount of fuel you have in the car. Your tires. And well and your engine. Yeah. Yep. I I would agree. I think the FIA but has then, to but then you have the purists that are like, well, F one's always about innovation and technology and you know, you know, advancing engineering to its to its peak performance, which is true, um, but it has to be at least to some sort well, of degree, right? They gotta level the playing field for the bottom teams. It's just yeah, yeah. unfair at this point. I I know we shit on Williams, but I don't want to see them losing every. I don't want to see them five seconds no. a lap behind. Like no, no. I, I don't want to see out that. There? Yeah, exactly. Like they're what's even the point of racing for them? They're not making any money. They're not getting any wins. They're they're ever, any any driver that comes in that team leaves. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what's even the point? So. Yeah. It's either, you know, a career killer or just a brief launch pad. Yeah. And then, you know, you completely hit the nail on the head. It's like, what's the point of just burning money each Grand Prix weekend yeah. when you're, you're literally competing for 19th position between With your two your drivers? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're yeah. hoping that there's a 10 car pileup at yep. turn one and you can sneak a point in there. Yeah. 
and that your car still manages to stay okay. <laughs> and even what you're saying with, yeah, Formula One has always been sort of the lead in, in technology and advancement. But, it, you know, I think Brundle touched on it in his in his article. Why don't you do that in, in other areas of the sport? You know, like with all the travel that they do, uh, you know, their motorhomes or the trucks that they use to bring every, every gear to track. Like make that electric, make that the innovation and in technology. But the cars... What would be the issue with going to back to like the 2005, 2006 style cars where, you know, you had almost a thousand horsepower engines, no DRS, no ERS. You had refueling two different tire manufacturers that you could choose from. I mean, that's still the height of, of Grand Prix or engineering. But now we have cars that after the first 10 laps, everybody's managing. Yeah. Nobody's on the limit. I mean, back in, in the early 2000s, everybody was on the limit during the race because you could refuel. You could come in, not put in much fuel, fresh tires, and go out and do 10 qualifying laps. Yeah. Um, you know, if you go watch the highlights of Imola 2005 in the Schumacher-Alonso battle, it, it provided a lot more exciting racing because of those regulations. Yeah. And the cars were a lot simpler. Don't even get me started on the engine sound compared to what it is today. I've, yeah. We've beat that horse to, to death many times on this show. So, you know, with all the... I, I get the move to... To electric or hydrogen fuel cell cars or whatever it is but you know it's funny because like aston martin who's with red bull and ferrari and mercedes they're still producing like v8 v12 road car engines yeah yeah and yeah. they're like you know probably one of the best luxury car sellers that, that are doing that so i just don't see the need to go this turbo hybrid era when nobody understands the technology unless you're within the sport and it's not competitive. Yeah, I you know what? I never understood why, like, Aston Martin, Red Bull Racing, and obviously, like, McLaren, why aren't they allowed to use their own engines? Why can't they well, take... they can. They just don't choose to develop them. I think, yeah, I think it comes back to cost again, right? Just the amount of money, it, especially with these engines. Yeah. Well, it comes down to cost, but how much money would you be getting back if you were to use them, if McLaren was using their own engine instead of Renault? They would probably make make a lot of money back with just by making using their McLaren uh, McLaren. But then there's the whole developing it, right? They haven't developed it, and they end up like Honda in their they first year. That's just shit. They develop a supercar every single year. Yeah, yeah you're I think right. they they can do it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, they just released two supercars in the last two years. I'm sure they can put some money and time aside to build an F1 engine. Yeah, they they yeah, for that's sure. That's an interesting could. point. Yeah. It, again, it for, definitely won't happen for 2021. I think the FIA, like you said with IndyCar, they almost need to build the car for the team. And the only thing that you, sh you should be able to change is put the engine you put into it and like the tires and, and that's it. Because when you, the problem is, is that they're involving the team with the negotiations and that is never going to result in fair competition. Because if you're Mercedes, why the hell would you want to even out the playing field when you just won five world championships in a row? Yeah, exactly. Ferrari, same thing. Um, even though they haven't won a championship in 10 years, but in, in the two thousands, you know, when they were dominating, so Mercedes aren't going to go, oh, yeah, you know what would be great if we evened out the playing field and we're going to be battling Racing Point and six other teams for the championship. Great, let's do that. Th they're not going to ever agree to that. Yeah. So if you eliminate the teams from negotiations and you set out here, this is what you can do. We're going to simplify everything and then it's going to come down to the best driver because right now the engineers and the technicians and the aerodynamicists, they're winning the championships, yeah, not the drivers. Are. Yeah. And when we've got world champions like Vettel, Hamilton on the grid, Alonso, who got pushed out of Formula One because of how shit everything was in McLaren and the whole sport in general, we're seeing these guys' careers get wasted because the battle is not on the track, it's in the wind tunnel. Yeah, you're right. That's, I think you've nailed the, the solution and... Everyone's Where's my game. job, Formula One? <laughs> well, they probably won't hire me after, well, that. I th after that. The <laughs> races would be a lot more Indy interesting if they, if you guys, the way IndyCar is doing it. You guys said they only had two, uh, two engines to choose from. Yeah, but Chevy. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with having multiple engines to choose I, from. I I am yeah, too, but like to your point, it would be a lot more interesting if all all the 20 cars were much closer to each other, and it was down to the driver leading them through. That's rather, what IndyCar is. That's yeah. what NASCAR is too. Yeah, it would NASCAR be a lot more interesting. And again, to your point, it's it's not a like it's not a racers race anymore. If that works. It's like you said, it's a it's an engineers race. That's what it comes down to, and it's. Sometimes there are some highlights, so you know that like all moments. But there's nothing, nothing's happened these last six races. Six, five, six, five, five. Well, yeah, five, five, maybe right? six. <laughs> yeah, 
And I think it's important to be honest, too, and not sugarcoat things. And that's why I like Martin Brundle, because even though he, you know, he works for a network and, and networks yeah. can't be honest as, you know, we can be on, on a platform like this. So I give him credit for, for being honest, he, because that's that's the type of guy that he is. He's kind of a no bullshit kind of guy. But it's important to be honest when you're criticizing these things and not like sugarcoat just to make things seem better than they are, yeah. like Formula One does sometimes. So changes need to be made. Unfortunately, I don't think they will be. And 2021, it'll most likely just be more of the same. But if they would have continued down with the 2018 path, we'd, we'd probably be having ex- as exciting races as we did last year. Yeah, probably. Um, what uh, What are your thoughts on the state of f1 let's hear them in the comments below yeah i'd be well i mean i, I can kind of get the sense of uh what the what the fans are thinking but yeah. uh yeah i definitely we'd be yeah yeah we'd be interested to find out uh what you all think that's yeah for sure let's let us know and we'll be uh of course as usual responding and reading all your comments uh before we get to our next preview, which will be monaco coming up in a very short amount of time yeah which everyone always gets excited for yeah, one of the crown jewels of uh, of the sport, and uh, yeah, we actually had some uh, we had some fan questions that uh, that came in. Oh, uh, oh for really? This week. Yeah, oh, lovely. Oh, that's cool. Well, I, I put <laughs> it out on Twitter. I was like, you know what, the race sucked. Yeah, and we got some things that we want to rant and talk about, but you know, throw us some questions. Yeah, this and wasn't really a Grand Prix review. It was no, a rant. it was yeah. more but, of a rant for sure. And I we mean, do we this, did review uh, it quickly. Yeah, yeah, we did a pretty good job. Yeah, it lasted six and a half minutes. <laughs> Um, but we, like I said, we could do this every week. So if you got any questions, just yeah, Twitter or e- Instagram, email, whatever your preferences. Just comments uh, below. Yeah, yeah. shoot it towards. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions was, uh, is Verstappen amazing this season or just incredible? <laughs> Which? Uh, just incredible. Just incredible. I would go with just incredible. The fact uh, that he hasn't managed to crash yet. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Um, no, he's been very good, but you just, I don't know, I mean, I think it's a mix. I think why he's being kind of thought of as, as so amazing right now is because Pierre Gasly hasn't been nearly no. as good as he, as he should be. Cause let's face it, Gasly, there is a talent there, mm-hmm. um, but it just hasn't fit in. And it seemed like he did now is the Spanish Grand Prix. He had a good race finishing sixth, sixth, I believe. Yeah. Um, so good for him, um, but I think that it's not it's not a Max Verstappen domination where he's keeping up with the Mercedes out of nowhere. But that's more his car. The car is underperforming. I know, but if he was having an or what the top of the line season, he'd be doing that. Right, which he's okay. not. Yeah. He is having an incredible season. Don't get me wrong, fantastic by Verstappen. Just I wouldn't put it out there as the best season he's ever had in his career. I think he's no. I would say end of last year was probably some of the best performances we've seen from Max Verstappen. I would agree. But he is having a very good season. The fact that he's keeping up with Ferrari, when you guys were talking about best overtakes, I was thinking of his uh, in Baku against Charles Leclerc or Vettel. I can't remember. Anyways, that's the overtake I was thinking of. I got to think so hard when talking overtakes this year. (laughs) Not very much, that's why. Um, I can't remember. Maybe it wasn't Baku. I think it was like two races ago, though. Okay. Yeah, I'd have Uh, to go back. Um, yeah, it's honestly, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like he has had an incredible season, and I think it's highlighted by the fact that he's keeping up with these Mercedes cars. Mm. Not completely keeping up, but he's pu- he's putting in a challenge, he pu- putting in a shift, as they would say. Shift, <laughs> 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 pun intended. <laughs> I think the battle we'll see from now on will be Ferrari Red Bull. Yeah, it I will think be. Ferrari can forget about challenging Mercedes. Um, and and another one when we're talking about great drivers. There's another one, Max Verstappen. Yep. Who fantastic because of the lack of the performance in his car, can't battle for race wins most likely this year, with the exception of Monaco, I think, which we'll sure think, get into our preview. Yeah, we will. Yeah, that's a little. I'll wait for my. Yeah, we'll wait yeah. for the preview. But I mean, there's another guy, and he might force Red Bull's hand in the next couple of years to say, "Hey, you know what? You guys aren't going to give me a championship winning car. I got Mercedes here, Ferrari. Forget about it. But I got Mercedes here, and." I might just go to Mercedes. Yeah, and he would win five championships in a row. Yeah, more than that, in my opinion. If he stayed with Mercedes, with yeah. their dominance that they're having now, probably be more yep. than five. Because, yeah, he's honestly, I agree. two years old. 21, 22 years old. He's got, like, another 10 years. Yeah. 15 years, maybe. Imagine seven straight world championships with 
Mercedes. I would have put by it the time past he's thirty. Him. I would have put it past him. I wouldn't pass put it past him either. And I think the difference between Mercedes domination versus let's say Red Bull or Ferrari, Mercedes is a massive road manufacturer, road car road car manufacturer. Ferrari they just kind of do luxury cars. Yeah. Red Bull they're just an energy drink. But Mercedes, <laughs> the amount of money that they have put into their business. The amount of growth and success that they've had because of the Formula One success, and that's why I think Audi slash Porsche should come into the sport. Oh, they're not even going to touch it now. No, as, the no, they're not. No, yeah, they're just going to. I mean, they got their Formula E stuff, which I think seems BMW like would well. touch it before Porsche or uh, Audi does. Oh, maybe. Yeah, they got a history in Formula One. Yeah, history. yeah. It, that's a good point too. It makes it hard for new manufacturers to want to come into yeah. Formula One because they sit down and they go, "What's the cost?" How many races are we going to have chances to win? Nah, we're no, good. We're good, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, I think Verstappen eventually could could look at Red Bull and say, ah, you know what? Thanks. Don't think I can, yeah. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Uh, uh, very early Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah. Could be. Well, what's the next one? Um, so what does Mercedes dominance mean for F1? I think we went over we that. We went over this one already. Yeah. In half detail. Hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went over that one pretty well. Um, if you're a Mercedes fan, I mean, I don't know, maybe even Mercedes fans aren't even necessarily enjoying yeah, I it wonder, that much. If, if you are a Mercedes fan, let us know because like, yeah, you, it's, it's awesome to see your team win every race. That's yeah. what you want. But I'm sure at some point you kind of want it to be exciting. I think the drivers too. Hamilton has said it, and I don't think that he's lying when he says he'd rather be battling the Red Bulls and the Ferraris. Yeah, I don't think he's lying either. Yeah, so we definitely we cover that one extensively, um, and and this is actually an interesting one. So, what does Mercedes dominance mean for Esteban Ocon? What is he going to do now? It means he finds a seat on another team. Is what he's it means. going to IndyCar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might honestly. He probably good call. <laughs> that was a very good call. Him um, and Marcus Ericsson. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Marcus Ericsson's doing well. Uh, uh, didn't do so well in Indy though. Crashed. Uh, no, I didn't. Indy, I didn't watch the race. Um, but he's fitting in. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I think he has to go to a different team. Like uh, he has to get his release from Mercedes. I think, which I'm sure he doesn't want to do because it's Mercedes. But if he wants to have an F1 seat, he's gonna have to do something. He's gonna have yep. to. He's got to move somewhere because of the the shifts that Valtteri and. Well, I mean, Lewis is Lewis. Lewis, is Lewis. Or do yeah, or doing this year. I don't think he's getting a seat on. And he doesn't team. go to Ferrari. No, he no. could go to Red Bull. Could if be a they, replacement of if Max Astley. Ooh, guys. No. Ooh. Do you remember Max and Ocon? I, I said this. Yeah, I said this a couple weeks ago. That's what I'm. <laughs> I don't think Let's Max and petition. Ocon are very good friends. <laughs> ah, they'll work. Ah, uh, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Man, guys, multi twelve seven. Um. <laughs> Multi twelve ST. Yeah, yeah. Um, or he, uh, no, he wouldn't go to Renault. I, I guess he Williams. Could. No, no. He uh, I don't yeah. think. I think he's too good to go to Williams. Yeah, as much as he wants to see it, I don't think he'd uh, go to Williams. Haas? You think he goes to Haas and replaces Grosjean? <sighs> no. no, no, that's Ferrari. Too much Ferrari there. Uh, I'm saying he gets his release from Mercedes. Oh, if he gets okay, yeah. If he gets his release, yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, that, that's it's a good team for him I think. They're they're a midfield competitor. Yeah, maybe maybe Racing Point if Lance. No, doesn't, no we're just kidding. <laughs> you won't go back to Racing. There's point. too much sponsorship from Perez and Lance Stroll yeah, for them. There's for, so much. North that American seat is there. locked in. There's too much Stroll they're, in that yeah, team. They're, yeah. they're locked in for five years. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I don't think he'll go to Williams, uh, because I think. Nicholas Latifi is going to go to Williams, and I would have to year. agree. Yeah, and and we didn't do much of a an F two breakdown in this recap, but I honestly didn't. I I know Latifi won the uh, the sprint race, I believe. Feature. feature I only race? watched the feature race, the one that he won. Yeah, um, he won in the the uh, feature race, and then DeVries won the mm. the sprint race. Um, yeah, no, I didn't get to watch either, but uh, I did see the highlights. Yeah, no, I, another really good race uh, and Grand Prix weekend from Nicholas Latifi and. He's got a big lead in the championship now. The F2 races are exciting. Much more exciting than the F1 races. I mean, I only watched one of the two, but it was good. Very good. Yeah. So uh, I, I think Latifi, he's testing the car this week in Barcelona. And another thing on the Esteban Ocon thing, Mercedes put Nikita Mazepin in the car this week and not oh. Ocon. Yeah. And I think that is because they have to fulfill their young driver requirements. But Valtteri tested the car. So, I mean... Okay, you know, he could do more hours in the car, that's fine, but wouldn't you sort of expect Esteban to get 
a chance to test a car. Yeah. We've had two in-season tests so far, and George Russell did uh, the one in Bahrain, and we haven't seen Ocon so far. So He is the test driver. He is, right? He's, he's not just driver. the reserve driver. Yeah, he's also no, test he driver. Is the yeah. test driver. So I found that very interesting. But I think options are running out. Unless Hamilton... I've heard crazy rumors that Mercedes discussed the Hamilton move to Ferrari. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> What, what surprised Why? me is Mercedes talked about it, not Ferrari. Mercedes. I, I don't know. The challenge? I guess it would be a challenge, yeah. Him and Seb together would be fun teammates. Oh, I think it would be him and Leclerc. I think so, too. But him and Seb together would be fun teammates. That would be a fun team, yeah. If he thought British media was harsh? Whew. Oh, that would be interesting. It would be very. Well, that would throw the sport for a loop. Then we'd be all ready to go again for next season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I mean, just Where wild rumors. Where would Seb go, then? Mercedes. Retire. <laughs> Back to Red Bull. <laughs> Toro Rosso. <laughs> Three, uh, all right, there's five answers there. Nope. IndyCar. IndyCar. IndyCar <laughs> is the solution yeah. for everyone. Everybody goes to IndyCar. <laughs> That's the solution for sure. Um, we'll see. We'll see. And I think uh, that was... Was that the last question? That was the last question. So, Well, uh, well if, if you have more questions, uh, we can hit it in our Monaco Grand Prix preview. That's right. So let us know. Coming up in uh, two weeks' time. We love your questions. Yeah, we, we like to uh, interact. So what what have we had so far? We got the state of F1. We want you to answer that. What, yeah. what is your opinion on the state of F1? I mean, you can leave your thoughts on, on the Spanish Grand Prix, but yeah, not much can. there. Uh, who was your driver of the day? For uh, for Chris and I, it was Danny Kvyat. For Shaker, it was Max Verstappen. What um, was your driver day? Who was your driver day? Let, let us know. Find that out. I think that's that's about it. Yeah. And also, you know, with the races being so boring, um, you know, what would you maybe like to see other content on this channel that could maybe yeah, spice things up in Formula One? Um, we'll, we'll try our best to make this season as fun as possible. Yeah. And, you know, there's still a lot of races to go. And I'm holding on to an inch of optimism for Valtteri to win the championship. <laughs> I'm yeah, holding that's on for pretty an inch. much all we have at this point, right? I'm, I'm holding on for an inch of optimism that, like, Mercedes get penalized for some sort of a legal thing and then... Oh man! If there All was something, sudden, something it's illegal, blown wide open. they would have looked into it already. Yeah, yeah they would have. You're right. <laughs> they're Germans, though. They, I, they've got do everything covered. perfectly. Yeah, I mean they're they're so well done. They just work so well together. Imagine so. being German, perfect all the time. Oh, unless you're Vettel. Yeah, that's true. That's that's another kind of thing. So that's true. Yeah. Oh well, we'll see what happens. But Monaco's in two weeks' time. We got the Indy 500 with Fernando yep. Alonso, and we will be recapping that as well. Yeah, we could touch on that not? for sure. Yeah, and uh, what what other race did you mention there? Uh, the Coca-Cola 600 NASCAR. For, for all our North American fans um, watching NASCAR? We don't really have to break that down. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, I think that'll about, uh, that'll about do it for us uh, in the Spanish Grand Prix recap. Yeah. Anything else from, from you guys? No, I think we touched on everything. No, we I think, think we aired out all of our grievances. Up anger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to Monaco. Thanks, Jai. Thanks, Ugh. thanks everyone for joining us. Thanks for hanging around with us, and we will do our best to make this the most exciting thing about Formula One this season. The Backmarkers F1 That's show. That's right. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens the rest of the way forward. But this is the way it is. Thanks. All right. See you next time. <laughs>